0: Hallelujah, hallelujah, everyone standing. Let's thank the worship team for leading us in worship this morning. God bless y'all. Amen, amen. Please remain standing. Ushers, I want you to come quickly to the front, all ushers. And uh, I want everyone to please take one of these special offering envelopes. Make sure everyone has one. If you don't have one, raise your hand while the usher's passing you there, I'm going to ask 100% to help us bless Pastor Choco, who's here to minister the Word. You're going to be blessed. You are going to hear something that's going to make you want to respond. And uh, Pastor Choco pastored one of the largest churches in the nation in Chicago up till about four and a half years ago. And uh, the Assemblies of God is the fourth largest denomination in the world as far as numbers worldwide, over 70 million people, largest Pentecostal movement, and uh, he was tapped from his church in Chicago to be one of the four generals or four executives that lead the worldwide assemblies of God, and so we have someone who has preached in the largest churches of the world sought-after speaker, pastor, leader, and he's come to break the word of life. And I need your help this morning because you know how Pastor feels about this. We have to bless the men and women of God who come preach the word to us. And I need everybody. Everybody can do something. And uh, I don't want you to do anything. I'm your pastor. I don't want you to do anything you can't do. What pastors would tell you. But everybody can do a little something, and together we'll be able to bless Pastor Choco as he comes to break, break the word and his, he'll introduce his dear wife. But let's give him an Evangel temple, Jacksonville, Florida. Welcome. So, Lord,
1: thank you. You may be seated. Lord bless you all today. Thanks for coming to church. Thank you for not staying home. And um, you made a conscience decision. Some of you were forced to come to church and whoever forced you, you should thank them. They didn't bring you to a funeral. They brought you to the house of God. Others, you made a conscious decision. You said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We gotta go to the house of God. Amen. And so we welcome you to Evangel. If this is your first time visiting Evangel, let me just encourage you. First of all, you're at a 45-year anniversary. You just saw the church honoring their pastors. First thing you should know is that the pastor is stable 45 years in this place, ministering in this city, which tells me it's good soil. This is good soil. So if you're looking for a church, uh, stop looking. You've found your church. Amen? Amen. And to all my Hispanic brothers and sisters, sigue adelante en el Señor. Dale tu vida a Cristo. una buena iglesia aquí y Dios te ama. Cristo te ama. I am honored to be here today celebrating the 45 year anniversary. My good brother, friend Gary, lovely wife Kim. Uh, I told them in the first service that in the year 2020, a few years ago, one third of pastors in the United States consider quitting. Some quit because of the pandemic, but your pastor did not quit. He continued preaching this gospel. Come on, give it up. So thank you Pastor Gary and Kim for not quitting. And the rest of the pastors that are here and serving in this church, Thank you for serving faithfully to this church in Jesus' name. How many of you here, let me take a, a poll. How many of you here, you've never heard of me before? Raise your hand. You've never heard of me. Wow, 65% of you all. Father, forgive them. Forgive them, Lord. Amen. Wow. Well, I, I was here like five years ago, and things have changed in my life in five years. How many know things can change in just in six months? But it's been five years that uh, uh, Elizabeth and I, we've been here. And Pastor has allowed me to bring my newest book. We have five books. The first one is called Amazing Faith. The second one is called In the Gap. The third one is called Move Into More. And the, thir- the fourth one is called Stay the Course, which is back there. And the new one that just came out is called Love Them Anyway. And we're going to answer the prevailing question, what do we do, Pastor Choco? What do we do with this all this political unrest, this craziness in our country, with this racial tension? What do we do? We're going to answer that today in Jesus' name. But before we do that, let me just introduce my lovely wife, Elizabeth, of 33 years. Babe, would you stand up? This is my lovely wife. I think we have a picture of her. There she is. I, I, now, I love the last service. This is your last service. Back in Chicago... We used to have five services in the weekend, and I always loved the fifth one, because I can preach as long as I want. Amen. Thank you for the three people that said amen. And the seven people, they're like, I hope not, because I got plans. No, I'm just joking. But I do love the last service. So you're going to get a little bit more than the first service, and you just let them know next week, we got more. Uh, Elizabeth was 12 years old when I was 14. She, her dad was the pastor of the church. And I just got saved. Uh, I was not born in the church. I was born in the hood in Chicago. Uh, my father abandoned my mother with six children. So I was raised in a single family home. And the youngest of six in Chicago in Humble Park. Humble Park in the 1970s and 80s was declared the worst park in the United States. That's where I lived, with no father, no Jesus. Until I was 14 years old, went to her church, got saved in that church, and her dad pastored that church for 35 years. But when she was 12, I asked her to be my girlfriend. Come on, don't play. And so we didn't date until she was 17 and I was 19, and uh, we dated for five years. And she was involved with missionettes, and I was involved with Royal Rangers and so forth. The youth ministry of the local church and so forth. And then we got married in the year 88, June 11, uh, 1988. I'm trying to help you out, guys. These are some important things you need to know in marriage. Come on. Uh, 1988, Elizabeth and I, we have three beautiful children. They're all grown now. But let me show you a picture of my tribe. This is a picture of my tribe. This is our Christmas picture. And... uh, you know, how many know that when you're trying to get all these people together and you got all these grandchildren, you're like just the photographer, for the love of God, take the picture. No matter how we come out, it's going to look nice. They're kids. And, but boy, I tell you, we, I don't know how many takes we took. But So this is my oldest daughter, your left, uh, Alex and her husband, Anthony, in the white shirt. He is our pianist, a music director. In Chicago, we had eight campuses eight campuses to the glory of God. And so they lead the worship team, just like here. They have their children leading. Alex does that for us back in Chicago. Yesenia, my youngest daughter, and her husband, Anders, they live in Colorado. And they were leading master's commission for many years in Chicago until recently, five or six months ago, moved to Colorado. And there he is working at a local church there. And then my son, Pito, who works for the public school system, and his wife, Eden, uh, she's part of the worship team in Chicago. So, all my three kids are married and they're out of the house. Bless the Lord. Any empty nesters here? Anybody's an empty nester? What a beautiful thing. I love my children. I love them. We love them. They're like arrows in my quiver. Shoot them out. Papa, you got to go. I tell the story back then. Well, obviously, they've been married now. But when my girls were getting married, I cried for one year. But when my son was getting married, I cried for three seconds. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> okay, you got to go, papi. You got to go. Build your own family. All right, here's my grandchildren. These are my grandchildren. So I didn't say it to the first service, but I tell you all. So obviously, I'm Hispanic. And so I go to my mother and I said, mommy... I got my first granddaughter. She says, what's her name? I said, her name is Charlie. Charlie, my mother says. Isn't Charlie a boy's name? I said, mommy, today the names are interchangeable. You gotta move on. Just move on, mommy, just let it go. Her name is Charlie. So Charlie is gonna be six years old. And uh, Charlie a few months ago called Elizabeth and I, FaceTimed us and said, Papa, do you have the mostest money of everybody? And we're FaceTiming. I said, what do you mean the mostest money, Charlie? Do you have the mostest money? I said, well, I, I have more money than your mother and father. And uh, she said, good. This is what I need. Five years old. $300 later, we order stuff on Amazon for Charlie. And my oldest daughter like, you can't be doing things like that. Oh, yes, I can. Charlie, during the riots in Chicago in 2020, Charlie was giving food to the police officers while they were rioting. Because I've always taught my children, and I want to teach you all here today, we must engage culture. We cannot be afraid of culture. We have the truth. And so Charlie was out there giving food. So this is my second granddaughter. So I go to my mother. I said, Mommy, I got my second granddaughter. And she says, what's her name? I said, Reagan. Mommy's like, Reagan? Isn't that a president's name? I said, Mommy, for the love of God, you got to move forward. So this is Reagan live. She's three. She's going to be four. And she believes in the power of prayer. She'll call Elizabeth and I around 8 o'clock. Pray for me, Mama, Papa, pray for me. And then we'll pray for her over the phone. And then she'll pray for us. And, you know, and. Her prayers like Mama and Papa, Amen. And some are a little bit faster, but I receive it, Amen. So this is uh, James Anthony. He's our young, our oldest grandson. He's going to be three. He's going to be a piano player and a golfer like his father. And Dono Donovan, we call him Dono. He's two. He's going to be a mountain climber. He's climbing over everything. And then Alea Sky, which is my son's daughter, she is t- uh, going to be two. She's going to be two. So these are our five grandchildren. we got one more in the way. How many are grandparents here today? I'm telling you, it's a good thing. If you're not a grandparent, I've been telling people across America, God should have given us the grandchildren first <laughs> and kept the kids or something. It is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. So I show you my family so that you can, when you think about Choco and Elizabeth, you can pray for us. And uh, as we are traveling across the nation serving the assemblies of God, as your pastor alluded to, I am the general treasure for the assemblies of God. And uh, we were living in Chicago in the same church for 40-something years. So I love legacy. I love seeing the video of people who have been in the same church. The grass is greener. Where you water it. Evangel is not a perfect church. And the church is not filled with perfect people. The church is filled with forgiven people. And so if you're looking for a church, I love people that have been here 30. Let me see a show of hands. Anybody here in this service, you've been here for over 40 years. Raise your hand. 40 years. Oh, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless your heart. Okay, anybody from 30 to 40 years? Anybody from 30 to 40? Bless you. Bless you. Yes. Yes. Legacy. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Up there. Bless you. Anybody from 20 to 30 years? Awesome. Bless you guys. Bless you all. 10 to 20 years. Anybody from 10 to 20 years? Some of you guys are asking now, how long we've been here? How long have we been here? (laughs) Five to ten years. Anybody of five to ten years? All right. One to five years. Okay, who just got here last week? (laughs) Bless you. Amen. Thank you for joining us. You're part of a great legacy. Amen. I love to see a church that honors their pastors for the sacrifice and their former pastors, the sacrifice that they have put. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's word? Pastor said I could take as long as I want. (laughs) I just want to see, because my flight doesn't leave till 6 (laughs) o'clock. So we got got some time here, amen. I'm going to preach for my new book called Love Them Anyway, which answers the prevailing question, what do we do? And I'm going to say to you all that we need to love. Love is the currency of the kingdom of heaven. I've been traveling across America telling Americans that America does not have a hand problem or a head problem. It has a heart problem. It needs a metamorphosis. It needs a transformation. And the only one that can change the heart of a human is Jesus Christ. Not a Republican president. Not a Democratic president. It will make a different political party. Only Jesus Christ. The living water can go through the crevices of a hard heart. And I pray this morning that the living water will go through your heart today. And that you would use that currency of love. Mark chapter 12 that's where I'm going to read from. We're going to have a great time this morning. Mark 12 verse 28 through 31. And one of the scribes, and one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, asked him, "Which commandment is the most important of all?" Verse 29. Jesus answered, the most important is, hear O Evangel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Verse 30, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your, and with all your, and with all your, and with all your, in other words, That there is no ambiguity that you are committed to jesus and 22 regardless of the craziness in the world that you're not allowing culture or hollywood to determine who you are my mandate your mandate and the church's mandate has not changed our mandate as a local church here in jacksonville florida is to empty hell and fill heaven to the glory of god That's the mandate. Verse 31, the second is this, you shall love your O-M-G. You shall love me and I shall love you. There is no other commandment greater than these. Love for God and love for each other. Love for God and love for each other. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for waking us up. Thank you for giving us a car to get to church. Thank you for the gas in the car. Thank you, Lord, for the worship team. Thank you that we could be in your presence. And we say to you this morning that if you're not with us, we don't want to do this. Your presence makes the difference in our lives. And so we need your presence. And Father, I pray for every man, every woman, every young adult, every youth, Every child that's having a love problem, a heart problem, that you would heal, heal their heart today. You are Jehovah Rapha. You are Jehovah Rapha. You're the healer. So bring healing to their hearts today. In Jesus' name. Everybody say. You may be seated. So I was raised in the hood without a father. My father, I said to you, abandoned me when I was eight years old left my mother, and uh, that's my story. Every single one of you all have a story. You have a testimony, and this is my testimony for those who don't know. And that's where I was raised, with no Jesus, no father. Destined for destruction, for sure. Failed third grade, cousin couldn't read or write. Went through over seven grammar schools in Chicago. That's where I was at. But God saved me at the age of 14 years old. I gave my life to Jesus. When I gave my life to Jesus, I was all in. I didn't understand everything in the Bible, but I did know that there was a God that loved me, that I understood. And I became involved in that local church in Humboldt Park, Chicago, which was my father-in-law's church. And then around the year 2000, Elizabeth and I, we became pastors of that church. I did not want to be the pastor of the church. It's in my book when you read it, but I wanted to become a state trooper. I wanted to have a gun. Look at the irony of this. I lived all my life, 50-something years, in the hood of Chicago and never had a gun. I go to Springfield, Missouri, and I have two guns. I'm thinking, my word, my daughter says, I don't even know who you are anymore. I wanted to be a state trooper because... I didn't want to be a pastor because I know how people treat pastors and they talk about them. And so I just wanted to have a gun so I can collect the offering. In the hood, you need to motivate people. I was going to show people my gun to give more. You guys here in Florida, you collect the offering too nice. We were like, come on, come on, do more. Stop playing. Stop playing. Let's go. Thank you. Thank you. What is this dollar stuff? But God had a different plan for my life. And in the year 2000, we became the pastors of that church. 68 people at the time. We were running one service on a Sunday. When I left, we were running 17 services to the glory of God. It just grew. Why? Why did it grow? Because we were reaching people that nobody wanted. We were reaching hurting people. People who couldn't even give their tithings and offering. People that my father loved them, even in their mess. I wanna share with you this morning, I wanna share a story with you all about a group of believers that they saw that that their culture was collapsing around them, that unbelievers were taking their rights away. And they became very angry with these unbelievers And they gathered together to complain about their conditions and they felt demoralized and they wanted God to do something about their condition and give a quick solution to their problems. I'm not talking about modern day America. I'm talking about the sixth century BC, the conquered Jews in Babylon. You see, Jerusalem had been destroyed by the Babylonian army and many of the people had been led into exile. And many false prophets begin to raise their voices to tell the people of Israel in Babylon, you're only going to be there for a little while. There's no need. There's no need to get acclimated. But these were false prophets until Jeremiah came to the scene and told them, no, 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 no. You're going to be there for 70 years. You should, you should build gardens. You should get married. You should have children. And you should seek the peace. And the prosperity of the city a few verses later in jeremiah 29 we have that famous verse that says for i know the plans i have for you declares the lord so no matter how we got here today in the united states no matter how they got to babylon god is saying to you and i while we're here in jacksonville florida i want you to have a kingdom mindset Because you may be black, you may be Hispanic, you may be white, you may be living in the United States, but your citizenship is in heaven. I wish I could get some help here today. You need to understand, the moment you came to Jesus Christ, you put down the American flag, you put down the Puerto Rican flag, and you became a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And now you represent heaven here on earth. I believe, I believe, this is my interpretation, that in 2020, many of the churches got confused about who they were. We went through a season of identity crisis. I believe that many churches were trying to become so relevant that they became irrelevant. Irrelevant. I told the New York Times that for 2,000 years, when they asked me about cancel culture, I told the New York Times for 2,000 years, the church of Jesus Christ and culture have always been at odds. That the church was never called to accommodate culture. Come on now. That the church was called to speak into culture. The truth, but with love. What happened in 2020, many of churches across the United States lost their identity. And I come here today, Jacksonville, Florida, to tell you that you're a child of the living God and that your father is not dead. No matter what CNN says or Fox News says, your father is alive and well and he's no punk. Come on, somebody. I think, I love the last service because I can preach as long as I want. I think what happened is this. Is this. In the NFL, if you know anything about National Football League, in the NFL, there are three teams on the field. Three. You've got the offense. They have the ball. There's 11 of them. And you have the defense. There's 11 of them. And the defense says to the offense, you're going to have to kill us if you want a touchdown. Those two teams, we know them. Those two teams have different uniforms. We know them. But there's a third team. They're called the referees. The referees have a different uniform. And they have a playbook. A playbook that comes from New York. That has been sanctioned by New York. That when you see something wrong, throw the flag. So when they see something wrong on the defensive side, they say, they say unnecessary roughness. You can't do that to the quarterback. Go back 15 yards. And when they see something wrong on the offensive side, they throw a flag and they say, delay of gain, you can't do that either. You're gonna go back. I found that in 2020, that many of our pastors and leaders took off their uniform because I believe that we are the referees. And when I took, when many pastors took up their uniform and they joined one of the other teams, they lost their prophetic voice yeah. to legislate. My friends, we have a playbook. It's called the Bible. The Bible is our playbook. And that Bible has been given to us by our Father in heaven. And he says, when you see something wrong in Jacksonville, Florida, throw the flag. But don't join one of the teams. Because you don't represent the dog or the elephant. You represent the lion from the tribe of Judah. I love the last service. We are citizens of heaven. When I got saved at 14, I turned over my Puerto Rican flag and I picked up the flag of righteousness. I still love my rice and beans and pork. Don't play with that. Don't touch that. I still love that. But what I now represent my father here. So I went to Burkina Faso, Africa. They went to get me at the hotel, and they said, Pastor Choco, the king of the Mode tribe would like to meet you. I said, I've never met a king in my life. I've met presidents and governors and mayors, but never a king. I got into the car. They took me to the palace. And they take me to the palace, and when I get out of the car, they said, now, Pastor Choco, there's protocols. I said, what's the protocol? Number one, don't look at the king. I said, I got it. I'm from Chicago. I don't want drama here in Burkina Faso. What's the other protocol? Sit in your chair. Got it. So come with me to the palace. I walked in. I sat down in my chair. The translator came and he sat down in his chair. We're looking at each other. Music starts playing. I know the king is coming. Because when I came in, there was no music. I'm like the devil. Give me some salsa. Give me something. Watch this. I see the king of the Mori tribe from the corner of my eye. I'm looking at him. I said he's he's dressed sharp, sharp. He's got white, gold trimming, black and ground crown, sharp. He sits on his chair. Music stops. Something came inside of me. I looked at the translator. I said, tell your king that I'm an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven. And I represent the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He says, the translator looked at me He says, you want me to tell the king what? Tell your king that I'm an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven. And I represent the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He turned in his morning language, said, Pastor Choco said, he is an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven and he represents the king of kings and the lord of lords. I'm looking at the translator and from the corner of my eye, I can see the king. He breaks protocol. Look at me, y'all. He breaks protocol. He gets up, starts walking towards me. Inside of me, I'm like, oh, you're dead. <laughs> Just shut up. Why do you have such things? Choco, why do you talk like that? I'm like, oh my god, I didn't even say goodbye to my wife Elizabeth. This is bad. I'm dead. He comes towards me in his palace, puts his hands on my shoulder, and in pure English said, would you pray for me in Jesus' name? Pray for me in Jesus' name. You just gotta know who you are. You gotta know you're a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Your father has given you power to walk in through this earth. You are here to operate, and the citizens of the kingdom of heaven are not afraid of any culture. Oh, God have mercy. You need to know. The culture cannot tell us who we are. Hollywood cannot tell us who we are. The Bible tells us who we are. We are citizens of the kingdom of heaven, and we operate with that premise. We operate, and we, we bring, and we legislate his love here on earth. What America needs, what Jacksonville needs, is a church that loves people in their mess. And when I say we should love them anyway, which is the title of my book, Love Them Anyway, I'm saying that we should never capitulate our conviction. We should never surrender our conviction. What I'm saying is that we should affirm their humanity, but not their lifestyle. Love is the currency. It's what we need to withdraw. And my father wants to give that to you. And you cannot do it without the Holy Spirit. Listen to me. People have been hurt. People have been abandoned like me by my father when I was eight years old. I get it. But we represent him here on earth. Think about it. Love is from God. 45 years of ministry, what drove this man and his wife is love for his community, love for the local church, love for the God that he serves. What drove this man and his family to stay here? What drove my father-in-law to pastor church where they killed his son, 18 years old, go, go get pizza, and they killed my, my, my wife's brother? Love. Any father would have left the community after killing their boy. But love compels us. Love compels us that we look upward and we reach outward to hurting people. This is what God is all about. This is what we want for the next 45 years if the Lord should delay his return, a church here in Jacksonville, Florida, that's full of love. And Jesus answered this great teacher not by one commandment, but by two. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul, your strength and your mind. And you shall love your neighbor. Those who have dissed you, those who talked about you on Facebook, those who abandoned you. What are you saying, Pastor Choco? That I should forgive them? I'm not saying that. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says that if you do not love, then you do not know God. Are you with me? The Bible says in Jeremiah 31.3, I've loved you. I've loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I continue my faithfulness towards you. 1 John 4.8, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. I'm going to drive this point home with you this morning. You need to love. And you need to let it go. Hatred and bitterness is worse than COVID. And I know COVID is real. My mother died from COVID on May 9, 2020. But I'm not going to allow a virus or a disease to dictate my faith. I'm not going to allow. I've been going around people. Knows that are watching at home. You guys are already here. But let me talk to the people at home. Listen to me, let me give you perspective. You're made out of dirt. Disease have been around for thousands of years. Whatever you gotta do, get to church. I don't care if you have to wear two or three masks, have a whole bottle, hand sanitizer, whatever you gotta do, but get to church. If you can get to Walmart and Target, you can get to church. Love is the currency of heaven. Love is the great commodity of the kingdom of God, not cancel culture. Love begins with God. Love never ends. Just as God is eternal, love is eternal. Watch this. He created you to love. He created you because he loves you. God sent his son to die for you because he loves you, and he's coming back to reign because he loves you, and he wants to live with you. I know, I know. This is difficult for people to understand. It's difficult because our love is conditional. Oh, Pastor Choco, you have no idea. I just love hating them. (laughs) Are you listening to yourself? You know how some people, some people have no problem hating immediately. Like two girls talking together, oh girl, you you know what my boyfriend did to me? I can't believe it. And the girl's like, yeah, I hate him. Never met him. <laughs> it's so quickly to hate people. But to love somebody, that takes work. Especially if they dissed you or talked about you or try to break up your family. That's hard. We love. We love in two different ways. Let me explain this. We love because of love. Because. That's one. Because of. And then there's this other one that's called in spite of. In spite of. Let's talk about this one really quickly. Because you have a car, I love you. Because you have money, I love you. Because you have a title, I love you. This one says, in spite of the fact that you're broke, I still love you in spite of the fact that you could never pay me back, I still love you. And I've been telling people across America, my father loves you and there's nothing you could do about it. And I love you and there's nothing you could do about that. Love is the solution to the heart problem that America is going through. Everybody here this morning, every single one of you at the sound of my voice and those that are watching online, everyone has a them in their life. That's why the book is called Love Them Anyway. Everyone has a them. For Elizabeth and I, in one of the chapters of the book, it was our son. He was our them in that season. He was 16 years old at that time. And the Holy Spirit woke me up and said, go check the car. I went downstairs to the garage, opened up the car and I found drugs. Now, in my house, we don't do drugs. We don't even drink. But as a father, you got an idea. My heart is broken. I see marijuana. I see all this stuff. I'm like, this is, what the junk? As a father, my heart is broken. My kid's involved with drugs. So I take the stuff. I did what any father would do. I go up to his room. Woke him up. Like 1130 in the night. His name is Pito. I said, Pito, what's up with this? Like a teenage boy. He said, it's not mine. It's my friend's. I said, boy, the Holy Spirit already told me it's yours. You're dead in the water. Pito, we didn't teach you to do this. You have no idea. I said, look at me, boy. It's about midnight right now. I said, look at me. I said, do you think you're stronger than your father? You think you're stronger than me, boy? I said, you have no idea what you've done to me. And your mother, we will knock on heaven's door on your behalf. Every day we will knock that God will take this out of your life. We will pray. Look at me, boy. I said, look at me. Nothing you do, Pito, nothing you do can make me love you more or less. But you are in control how pleased I am with you. And I'm not pleased right now. You're not stronger than me. I will knock on heaven's door every day. Your mother will fast and pray, and I will come and I put oil over the doorposts of your room, and I will pray this out of you in the name of Jesus. Man, you have no idea. For a couple of years, Elizabeth, I will tell you, he was our them broken. But we prayed and prayed. Now he's 27, Mary got a beautiful daughter. Praise the Lord. But everyone has a them in their lives. And love compels us, love compels us. And I told him, nothing you do could make me love you more or less, but you are in control. In 2002, we became the pastors of the church in 2000. In 2002, the commander of the 14th district came to me and said, Reverend, we've arrested 600 women for prostitution in nine months. Is there anything your church can do? I said, Commander, we will pray for you. Now, how many believe in the power of prayer? I love this church, because this is a praying church. I believe in the power of prayer. But we also believe that with revelation comes responsibility. That when God reveals to Evangel, Jacksonville, Florida, the condition of our city, yes, we should pray but we should act. So I went to get one of our female pastors. I said, would you meet me in my office? And she came. And I said, would you go out and get me five prostitutes? She says, come again? <laughs> go out and get me five prostitutes and ask them how much they would charge me for one hour of service, Pastor Choco. So she leaves, comes back two and a half hours later with five women, African-American, Hispanic, miniskirts. skirts, Drug, they're drug They're a mess. They all get out of her car. She comes to me and says what their amount is. One is $50, the other one 40 the other one 35 something like that. It was $225 for all five women. I said, no problem. I'll pay. So I gave each one of them what they were charging me for one hour. One of the ladies says, what do you want us to do? I said, I want you to follow me, please. So I take them inside the church. And inside the church, we prepared a banquet with roses and candles And one by one, church, I sat them down. I said, please sit. I have you for one hour. I'm going to tell you about a man named Jesus who loves you dearly. You were not born a prostitute. One by one, I sat them down. And for one hour, we ministered to these women. My wife led worship. And the young people of the local church started doing drama. And I preached about the love of God and how he loves them. And as a result of that... And knowing the condition of our community, as a local church, we ended up buying a farm three hours from Chicago. We bought 15 acres. And as a result of that, 742 women have been rescued from human trafficking and prostitution. Love compels us to do that. Listen. Watch this, watch this. Love is the answer. But just not any love. God's love poured out. A scripture passage that's quickly becoming one of my favorite explains that the Holy Spirit pours into us God's love. So, Choco, you cannot love out of your own love because your love is conditional, your love is perverted. But through the Holy Spirit, the Bible says in Romans 5.5, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit helps you to love your brother, your sister, your mother, or your father who abandoned you. The Holy Spirit will help you this week to love people. Are you with me? I love the last service. I don't even know if I can come down. But back in Chicago, I would come down and slap people. (laughs) Camera, you guys have to follow me. Listen to me. Listen to me. Love is the commodity, is the currency of heaven. And we need to withdraw from that bank and say, Lord, I can't love her with my love. Because my love is conditional and perverted. I need your help. I need to forgive her, I need to forgive him, and I need to do it quickly. I need to do it quickly. So now that we bought a farm in Chicago in 2002, we bought a 15 acre farm, I needed now staff members. And I went to one of our pastors. At that time, he was one of the the warlocks for the Latin Kings in Chicago. The Lord saved him. And he's been in our church for like 30 some years. He became a deacon, an elder, yada, yada, yada. He's in now in his mid-60s, him and his wife. And I went to him. His name was Rico. Her name is Alice. I said, Rico, I need you to go to the farm. I need you to leave your family. I need you to leave your grandchildren, your job, and go over to the farm and be a spiritual father to these girls. They're going to need a spiritual father and a spiritual mother. And by the way, you're going to go there for 10 years. He says, if you say so. I said, I said so. So he gets a U-Haul truck. He gets his stuff. He heads out to Cambridge, Illinois. He heads over there to the farm. He's there for six months. I get a call from Rico, Pastor Choco, Pastor Choco. I just came from the doctor. The doctor said, I'm gonna die in nine months. I said, no, you're not. I said 10 years. The man of God said 10 years. He, if you're wondering, he lasted 15 years in case you're wondering how good God is. I share this story because there's a woman that came to the farm who was brought from Chicago, who was in that lifestyle and she was in the farm and then she ma- kind of changed her mind. And so she created a plan to steal one of the bikes in the, in the barn. So she goes and looks at the barn and she sees a 10 speed bike and she goes back to her dorm and tells the girls she's going to steal the bike. One of the girls in the dorm goes tells Pastor Rico the plan. Rico said, don't worry about it. I got it. Later that day, early in the morning, Rico goes to the barn, opens the door. The girl wakes up in the morning to kind of carry out her plan. She tells my wife years later about this, what happened. She comes out to the barn, opens, boom, looks at the 10-speed bike and she tells my wife, never in my life have ever felt so much love that someone would take the air out of the 10-speed bike. She stayed in the farm, she graduated from the farm. She graduated from the farm. Her daughter, who's a teenager that's living the life out there in Chicago, she joined our program of master's commission. She gets saved. She goes through a three-year discipleship program, gets her credentials, becomes a minister. Then she goes out to Camden, New Jersey to open up one of our campuses. All because one man loved her enough to take the air out of the tire. Watch this, watch this. Love compels us, Paul says in Corinthians. Love compels us because we're convinced that he died for everybody. Love compels us to do that. God commands you. God commands us to love him and to love others. And how we're supposed to do that? How are we supposed to do that when we're selfish? And all we do is think about ourselves. Think about it for a moment. The Holy Spirit would help us. Let me finish here. Stand with me for a moment. Would you stand with me, please? Let me finish here. Love is a—it's a hard thing. I, I told you that it's easy. I'm finishing here. It's easy to love a lovable person. That's easy. But what about what about the? What about them? What about the the daughter in your life, your son in your life, ex-husband, ex-wife, your father-in-law? If you do not love, you do not know God. You do not know God. It is possible, Evangel, it is possible to be in church and still be religious. Are you with me? So a few years ago, I'm at this point, I'm still living in Chicago. A few years ago, we have a family meeting about my father, the one who abandoned me when I was eight at a bar. We had a family meeting because they're about to amputate his legs. And he's he's in he's in New Jersey at this time. So we're having my brothers, my siblings, hey, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? Finally, I said, well, let's just fly him to Chicago. I'll pick him up. So I picked him up. This man, he's in this. 80s, late 80s, this man who I had was not at my graduation, my bachelor's degree, master's, my doctorate, none of those events. None of them. Pick them up, take them home to my house in Chicago, my wife is cooking. And I begin to undress him, to begin to clean the wounds of this man who abandoned my mom and me. You would think, you would think that I would have at least one question for this guy. Hey, why did you do that to my mom? At zero. I'm a man at this point, I'm in my 50s. I'm a father, I'm a grandfather. At this point, I have no questions for this man, but I do want him to know Jesus. Look at me, look at me. You can either be a conduit of his love or a cul-de-sac. At this point, I want to be a conduit that the love of my father through the cleaning of his feet, that this man who abandoned my mother and I, he would see. Make a long story short. His legs get healed. Lives with me, lives with my sister for a year plus. Gets healed. He wants to go back to New Jersey. We send him back to New Jersey. A few weeks later, I get a picture from somebody who sent me this picture, I want to show it to you. I brought it for you. A picture of my father worshiping the Lord. What you need to know that for my father the bar was his church. He never entered into a church. And he enters into the church of the young girl where the mother saw the flat tires. he's 93 now and he walked to church Sunday because his younger son loved him enough that he's come to know my father in heaven I don't know I don't know who hurt you I don't know who Who did you wrong? I don't know. But I do know that hatred and bitterness can incarcerate you. And if you're here today, you need that love of Jesus. You say, Pastor Choco, I need that love. I need the forgiveness of God in my life. Would you pray for me? I need Jesus in my life. I want to pray for you. I want to do two prayers today. Those who want to know Christ and the love of Jesus and in those who have a them in their life? How many of you here at the sound of my voice would say, Pray for me? I need to, I need to know Jesus. Would you pray for me? I've come back home. If that's you, lift your hands. I want to pray for you right now where you're at. Bless you, bless you, bless you. Keep your hands up, bless you. Bless you, bless you, love you, love you. Bless you. Keep your hands up. Now, how many of you here would say, Pastor Chogo, this sermon was for me? I have a them that I need to forgive. And this sermon was for me. Would you pray for me as well? If that's you, lift your hands quickly. Okay, here's what we're gonna do. With pastor's permission, I'm gonna ask you, every one of you, if you raised your hand, no matter if you accept the Christ in your life, or you have a them, get out of your seat and meet you here in 20 seconds. Up in the balcony, come, I'll wait for you. Come as we begin to sing softly, come.